Hello and welcome to the DFB Podcast. This is episode 9. I am AJ Wolf from DisneyFeedBlog.com and my co-host is Brad Johnson from WDWForGrownups.com. That's me. Yeah, so Brad, what are we doing? What are we talking about this week? I think we will talk about, um, say, the Food and Wine Festival. What do you think about that? I think that's a great thing to talk about. Because <laughs> I've been listening to a few podcasts here and there, and I've heard that you talk, like to talk about that subject every now and again. <laughs> we, I have been doing quite a bit of talking about that. You've been making that. the rounds. I've been talking about it quite a bit. Yes, so we're going to do some more talking about it here. Um, what else are we covering today? We got some news. We'll start off with the news like we are wont to do, and then uh, we will talk about the Food and Wine Festival a little bit. I think that we'll probably, we're not going to cover everything about the Food and Wine Festival today. We may have to break it up into multiple parts, and then we will do some trivia and some reader questions, not necessarily in that order. Yeah, now, if you are a Disneylander... We'll have a little bit for you this this uh, this podcast, but uh, we're going to focus a lot on on Epcot this time around because that's coming up pretty quickly. And to be fair, you know, if you were considering coming to to Disney World, Epcot Food and Wine is a good reason to come. Great reason to come. All right. All right then. So let's dive in. We hope that it fills you with pleasure and glee. Because if we don't make you feel like that, we're going to wind up on the lady's hat. In the dicky, 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 dicky room. In the dicky, 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 dicky room. All the birds sing work and the flowers croon. So let's talk about some Disney food news, shall we, AJ? Yeah. One of the things that's been occupying a lot of the news cycles lately has been the Fantasyland expansion and particularly the Be Our Guest restaurant. Yes. What's going on there? Brad, were you involved in what I like to call the the August 20th massacre? No, I didn't. I don't I don't tend to do the wake up and try and call in kind of thing. I leave that to to folks like you, so <laughs> Folks like me. <laughs> people, people who who waking up early is just not my thing. You can you can handle up, up on that. I was involved in the massacre, um, and for those who don't know, it was it was uh, August twentieth. The um, reservations opened for Be Our Guest Restaurant, which is the new restaurant going into the new Fantasyland, um, Beauty and the Beast themed restaurant, obviously. And uh, August 20th was the first day that you could make reservations, and it was by phone only, and I believe phone lines crashed all around Disney. It was a difficult, difficult day, and uh, for those of us that survived it, I think we should get a medal. But Well, and I think what was even more scary was when they were telling people that their reservations were going to be canceled if they... If I they... was. It was such a mess. It was a, a considerable mess all day long, but uh, hopefully... Everyone got through it, and and I know, but I know there are a lot of disappointed and unhappy people um, that didn't get reservations when they wanted to get them um, due to a lot of different reasons. So, anyway, be our guest. Restaurant reservations are now available. You can make them online, and you can make them by phone. Four zero seven WDW dine. Um, available might not be the right word. Are open for being denied, being told that all the dates are, are already taken. <laughs> I, I think November and December are all full up, and I'm sure January is on its way. So um, if you want to eat in that restaurant, uh, be prepared to wait for a table or find someone who has a reservation. 
I think that's those are the plans. But um, next up, we have other news that's going on. Um, another interesting little tidbit is over in Epcot. Is that the Bistro de Paris changes? Yeah. So over in France, you know, we've been reporting on the food blog quite a bit that um, lots of changes are coming to France, including a brand new uh, kind of bakery, a much a, a much expanded bakery, which is going to start serving sandwiches and soups and all kinds of cool stuff. Um, but a lot of folks didn't realize that the current bakery, the Boulangerie Patisserie, is going to turn into an ice cream parlor. They're actually going to have an ice cream parlor called Glacier or Glacier, however you want to pronounce it if you're French. Um, I'd say it should be Glacier, but then everybody tells me it is the San Angel in over in Mexico. So maybe it's the Glacier ice cream parlor too. (laughs) It doesn't do us any good to actually pronounce the things the the way that that, uh, they would be in the language. But uh, Bistro de Paris, there's another one, Bistro de Paris, however you want to pronounce that, is getting a revamp as well. It is, uh, um, according to the Disney Parks blog, it's going to be a lot more, um, like, relaxed. Like, the, the they're, they're going to take away the tuxedos, and it's not going to be as formal, and it's going to get a new color scheme. And I know a lot of people are nervous that this means... Well, you know, Bistro was a great place to go for a romantic and, and upscale dinner. Is this going to, you know, kind of bring the level down a little bit? And I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. And also some other uh, more menu changes are over at Animal Kingdom as well, right? Yeah, Animal, Animal Kingdom has been going through a few menu changes all summer long. And they just got a bunch of new menu changes at all of their counter service restaurants. So at Pizza Fari and Flame Tree Barbecue and Restaurantosaurus have all seen significant menu changes. Um, well, Restaurantosaurus has seen a very significant menu change, and Pizzafari and Flame Tree have seen minor menu changes. So we've got that info on the blog for you if you want to check it out. Flame Tree changes make me nervous. I know. Well, Flame Tree, all, all your favorites are still at Flame Tree. They, they, they changed up their salad, and they have a new kids' menu item to, to check out. So... And finally, at Disneyland, there is some news about the PCH Grill. Is that correct? That's right. PCH Grill is going to be introducing a new menu very soon. And if you're an annual pass holder in Disneyland, um, you can get a kind of little preview on the new menu. All throughout September, each week, they'll be providing new sneak peeks for annual pass holders of menu items. So if you go dine there for dinner, um, anytime in September, annual pass holders, you will get to order some of the new menu items. As of this year, I am, in fact, a Disneyland pass holder. Yes, so you are. <laughs> I, can go, I can go do all these fancy things that you pass holders do. <laughs> That's right. Yay. Yay. So I believe that is our roundup of the news. And, of and- course, there's lots more news, but... We got some food and wine festival stuff That's to talk right. about. We've so got we've got more important things to move on to. Head over least. to the Disney Food Blog Pinboard, uh the Disney Food News Pinboard on the on the food blog and you can see all of the news, everything that's going on. So now we'll move on to talking about Epcot Food and Wine. Yeah. So now it's time to talk about the most wonderful time of the year as far as AJ is concerned. 
<laughs> yeah, it is. It's wonderful. The Food and Wine Festival is fantastic. Woo-hoo! Yeah, this year it starts on September 28th, and it's going for 46 days through November 12th. So if you're in Epcot or anywhere near Orlando during that time, head over. And we're going to probably have to break this up into we'll talk about different parts of the, the Food and Wine Festival on, on different podca- podcasts, podcasts whichever. Uh, but uh, today we're going to talk about AJ's top tips for touring the Food and Wine Festival. Yeah, like it, I, you guys know one of my favorite things to do is plan ahead for extensive periods of time about what I'm going to eat and do in Disney World. So I think that... Uh, things taste better when you plan for them. I, you, hey, they, there's a new tagline. That's, yeah. Things, they, they, they actually did a study on that where they showed that if people, when they, want a, uh, when they want a dinner someplace, that they like to put it far enough in the future that they could look forward to it. So looking forward to it is part of the fun. I think that's true. That is true. And science and agrees with you, AJ. Science agrees with me. It doesn't always happen that way. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. So we wanted to focus today on our top tips to really enjoy yourself at the festival. Um, and the things that you can do to make sure that you get the most out of your visit, however many days or hours or minutes you have to spend at the Food and Wine Festival. Um, so a lot of these, some of these are pretty standard that you'll have heard multiple times from multiple people, and others I think are kind of new that you might not have known before. So the numero uno tip that you have to follow, no matter who you are or how much you want to eat or what you want to eat is if you are going to those World Showcase booths, and that's one of the uh, the best parts of the festival, in my opinion, is the, the 29 booths set up around the World Showcase. If you're going to those booths, if you're going to eat there, get there at 11 a.m. as soon as they open and don't go on a weekend. Go on a weekday. I can confirm through personal experience that Weekends at the Epcot Food and Wine Festival range from awful to apocalyptic. Yeah, that they're just, yeah, they they're do. just bad across the board. They're horrible. And and so if you can get there at 11 a.m. when they're just opening those booths, they're just rolling up the little canvas, canvi, up. And <laughs> when you're rolling up the canvis and, you know, getting the food ready to go, those are fantastic. That's a great place. That's a great time to go. So that's probably the number one tip for your enjoyment is avoid the peak times, which are particularly weekends when all the locals get the opportunity to go. That's right. That's right. Even if you're a local, try to go on a weekday. Yeah, if you're a local, call in sick one day. Yes, we encourage you (laughs) to lie to your boss, call in sick. No, go go on a weeknight if you're a local. Don't go on a weekend. Um, So the second thing you want to make sure you do is to plan ahead. Like we were saying, plan ahead and figure out what stuff you want to eat before you get there. Because I guarantee you, if you don't do that, you will start to walk around those World Showcase booths. You will eat everything in front of you, and then you'll be super full by the time you hit. And you never remember everything you want. So you're always kind of like, you think you've hit most of your stuff, and then by the time you get all full, then boom, there's something that you were really looking forward to. You also have to pace yourself alcohol-wise, too, because you might just lose interest if you, you know... Get a few too many beers in you, a few too many glasses of wine. Who cares anymore? That's right. That's right. Be careful. Be careful out there. Um, So plan ahead. Get get a little list of things you want to try and make sure you've got those um, 
tried before you move on to other things. Um, another fun thing to do is get the what they call the Marketplace Passport. And this is a little free book. The scorecard. Yeah, a little scorecard. It's a little free book you can get at the Festival Center, um, which is over in the Wonders of Life Pavilion. It lists everything that they have available at those World Showcase booths. And the best part is that when you take your passport, when you purchase something and you take your passport to the booth, they will stamp your passport. So you get a little passport stamps for every single booth. It's very, very cool. And it's a fun little free souvenir that you can take with you. And that can help you do your planning ahead as well. It's true. So true. If you can go to the festival a couple of times, we recommend going two or three times to make sure. And this, again, this is, this is for the world showcase booths, but also for some of the other events that happen at the festival. If you want the opportunity to try several different things, try to, try to build in two to three, maybe more, um, visits to Epcot during your trip because it's very hard to fit it all into one day. It's definitely something that can can be a more than one day experience. So if you're if you're looking at your plans and trying to decide how many days you should you should give to the food and wine festival, definitely consider giving it more than one day if you if you have the space in your in your vacation. Right, exactly. Unless you have like more than one stomach, in which case, which I ahead. happen to, but not everyone can. Not you know. everyone's as lucky as Brad. That's right. All right. So what what else do we have here? Um, don't plan advanced dining reservations for the days that you're going to the festival that's that's a good one don't waste space you've, you've only got so much space if you're going to food and wine <laughs> save your space for that that's right save your space if you happen to still be hungry after you go to the food and wine festival which is which would be surprising if you happen to still be hungry and still have money there's lots of places in Epcot you can walk up Disney to. Disney is always happy to take the rest of your money if That's you right. have any left. They absolutely are. And there are lots of good places in Epcot you can get a walk up at um, um, ADR to to eat if you're actually really still hungry. Or you can go eat in the uh, pub area in the Rosen, in the in Rosencrown. Go to the pub. Go to Tuto Gusto and have dinner if you're still hungry. Go to Cava del Tequila and have some snacks and some margaritas. If you promise there's food you can have. So don't make an ADR for the days that you're going to be at the festival. Um, uh, unless of course you're only planning to go to the festival for a couple of hours that day, in which case, you know, you can probably make an ADR for morning or night or whatever, but that's, that's my recommendation. Um, so now we're going to bump over really quickly to talk about the seminars and events. Some of the, um, one of my best tips there again is another plan ahead sort of tip is those seminars and events that happen at the food and wine festival book up very quickly more i i've seen it just in the past few years more and more people know about the festival and more and more people are booking those events as soon as they're as they open like in august if you're listening to this podcast to plan for your 2012 experience at the food and wine festival you're probably too late on a lot of the (laughs) on a lot of the very popular events that's right because they booked up the day they came out they became available within minutes they booked up so if there's something that you want to do at the festival Make sure to get tickets early on. Make sure to call and get your reservation and your confirmation number early on. Those are because um, there's there's lots of good stuff, but it goes quickly a lot of the time. Here's one of my top 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 tips, and I don't share this very often, so this is kind of uh, special for you guys. Just for you podcast guys. Yeah, um, stay close to Epcot if you can. Now I know that sounds kind of obvious, but I can't stress it enough. I if you're going to be going to the Food and Wine Festival several times while you're in Disney. I have tried to stay at a Magic Kingdom resort or at at a resort that's not within walking distance. Of course, you probably go to the Food and Wine Festival a little more than... I go than- much more than anybody else does. I agree with that 100%, but I can't tell you how much easier it is. 
Now, some people might say to you, but AJ, all the, re- all the resorts that are close to the Food and Wine Festival are deluxe resorts, but there's a solution to that. You can stay over at the Swan and Dolphin, which are considerably less expensive than those those other deluxe resorts. That's really true. The Swan and Dolphin are, and for those who don't know, Swan and Dolphin are owned by Sheraton and Weston. Um, they are right there, right with the rest of the deluxe resorts, the Disney deluxe Slightly resorts. Slightly farther than probably. I mean, but, you know, splitting hairs for how much Within farther Within walking there. distance and of usually considerably Hollywood cheaper. Studios and Epcot. I've started to stay there regularly now because they are considerably cheaper they have triple a discounts um and they also uh they also host the food and wine classic which you can pop down they do have the food well yeah we'll talk about that later but yeah they do have the food and wine classic um but i i don't know i really i really enjoy staying at this one in dolphin so that's a good option if you don't want to shell out the big bucks for the boardwalk or the beach club or the Yacht Club, then definitely try Swan and Dolphin. Well, why don't you tell people a little bit about the Food and Wine Classic, since they do have packages and stuff like that that you can you can have to, to where you can get the room there and and go check out the Food and Wine Classic, which is held at the, around the same time as the Food and Wine Festival. Right. Okay. Food and Wine Classic for those who are big fans of um, of the Food and Wine Festival. Food and Wine Classic is happening this year. I believe the October twelfth and thirteenth are the dates for the Food and Wine Classic this year, and those are basically what the Food and Wine Classic is is an opportunity to go. They have they have seminars. They have a Causeway event, which is basically lots of food tasting, wine tasting, beer tasting, sake, moonshine, lots of different beverages to sample. And the fun thing about this particular event is you can pay once and eat as much as you want. Um, there is an option to just get a wristband and eat as much as you want while you're there, um, which they don't have available at the at the Food and Wine Festival as of yet. So that's really fun. So it's two nights of lots of fun, entertainment, um, good seminars, lots of great food, lots of great drinks. So that's a, that's a very cool event to attend also. So if you happen to be, um, you know, booking your visit to the food and wine festival, try to make it for those dates too, and head over to the Swan and Dolphin, stay there, go to the, go to the food and wine classic. And, um, as Brad said, over on the Disney food blog, we do have rate codes for that particular event. So if you want to go ahead and check those out, they're right there on the sidebar. So back to uh, tips for the actual Food and Wine Festival itself. What else do we have? Um, so, so like I said, stay in a resort close to Epcot if you can. Um, those are that, it's it's very very nice to be able to just walk in and out of the festival um, back and forth to your resort. Um, let's see. Oh, this is a good one. So there's lots of celebrity chefs at the Food and Wine Festival, and a lot of people want to see and interact with the celebrity chefs. Um, and this, and you, you might feel like you need to go to one of their bigger events or their more expensive events in order to see them, but that's not true. You can actually see a lot of your favorite Food Network chefs at the inexpensive um, seminars and culinary demonstrations that happen at the Food and Wine Festival in the Festival Center. Those cost anywhere from $9 to $14. They're very inexpensive. Um, I should say relatively inexpensive yeah. <laughs> compared to other things. Disney the inexpensive. Festival. Disney inexpensive. And, um, and the chefs often hold meet and greets after the show, after their um, seminar. And so you can actually go and have them sign a cookbook or get a picture taken with them. Um, and it doesn't cost any more than what it costs you to do the seminar. So that's a, that's a great tip. Um, don't spend too much to see your favorite chef, but also just a quick FYI, a lot of times these are very crowded and it's tough to get into these. So you'll have to book early. Um, but 
in addition, sometimes the meet and greets get very crowded as well. So you might have to stop into the festival center the morning of and get a wristband to make sure you get into the meet and greet. So that's a little tip that a lot of people don't know happens and aren't aware of. So be sure to check at the festival center info booth to make sure you don't need to pick up a wristband before um, that celebrity chef has his meet and greet later on. Um, let's see. See, there's all these little things, all these little things that happen at the festival that you might not know about. And, and we're trying to get That's them, we're trying to get the them pro. to you. Um, something that I often forget that I'm going to throw at you guys as a tip is to bring your ID. Don't forget to bring your ID to the festival. Um, I was actually at a booth with you once when they wouldn't give you, I think the Singapore booth, they wouldn't give you your drink because you didn't have your ID with you. Exactly. I think we eventually coerced them, but yeah, well, I don't know. I don't remember, but basically bring your ID, always have it with you. Um, because you never, you never know. And, and this is, this goes for if you want to drink alcohol at the booths and if you're going to a seminar, because your ticket is usually tied to your name and they need to see your ID to give you your ticket. So be sure to have your ID with you when you're drinking at the booths, when you're going to any seminars or events, um, that will indicate for them who you are and they will need to see it a lot of the times. Um, something else that's really cool at the festival is they have these little wristlet gift cards these days, which are, um, teeny tiny food and wine festival themed gift cards that you just wear around your wrist. And it's really easy to load them up with as much money as you want to load them up with. And they're standard Disney gift cards. So you can use them afterwards, um, at at Disney, at Disney, you know, merchandise places or or food places or hotels. Um, so it's not like you're going to lose the money if you, if you don't use it, um, right there at the festival, but you wear it around your wrist makes it really easy to pay at those booths. And I, and I, can speak from experience that you do not have enough hands to get as much stuff as you want and also pay. So. I kind of enjoy the wristlets. I don't. I, I don't know that the, you know. I always worry that I'm going to put too much money on them and and you know, or I'm not going to know the right amount. Of, I'm either going to put too little or too much money on yeah. them. But but it's still kind of really nice to have that, you know, just handy to to pay for whatever and just yep. right there on your wrist. Yep. And if you happen to have it on your wrist and you head back to your hotel and you want to pick up something at the gift shop, you can use it there too. It's not. It's just a regular Disney gift card, so you don't have to worry about only using it at the festival. I think um, I know what your next tip is going to be, and it's going to be controversial. Oh, no. What is it? The bring your own t- tray. You were talking about having a shortage of hands, and I've seen you at the festival with your own. She brings her own tray to the festival. I do. I do. Why is that controversial? What's wrong with bringing my own tray? I, I suppose, I mean, in a, in a world of hard choices, right, bringing your own tray is not the worst thing around <laughs> because there's, there is definitely a shortage of, uh, of seating that, you know, especially if you have something See, that you need to problem. sit down and saw at or something like that. that that's there's, right. There's no, there's no place to put your food a lot of the time. They've started to bring in a few tables and chairs, some, you know, like picnic tables and stuff once in a while. But for the most part, there's no dedicated seating for anything at the Food and Wine Festival booths. And so people use like all kinds of crazy, they try to balance stuff on railings and whatever. And, and you can't, I mean, if you want to buy two items and a drink, already you don't have enough hands to carry them to some place where you can even balance you them to eat them. On, even if you even have, if your... you have a wristlet, you still have to carry that stuff somewhere to eat it. So I brought my tray last year and it came in so handy. I literally got a 99 cent tray from Target. And I, I really considered kind of... And no one looked at you strangely at all, right? How would I know if they were looking at me more strangely <laughs> than they normally do? Anyway, right. <laughs> I get strange looks all the time. But, you know, it would have been stranger if, if my contraption had worked. If I was able to mock up that tray, to use the bungee cords, to hang it on 
to hang it on the railings, which maybe, I don't know, maybe I'll get the chance to do that this year. AJ's pushing the bounds of, of what, you know, what I'm going to create done. a prototype. That's right. Like nothing y'all have ever seen. But no, I will, someday I will have that tray made. But for in the meantime, I just carry it with me. I take my backpack, I put the tray in the backpack. Someday you'll see someone walking around Food and Wine with a robot following her with a little, tra- you know, a little table robot that follows her around. That'll be AJ uh, having perfected her her tray and table system. Can you imagine how fabulous it would be? It would be fabulous until it rose up and tried to take control of the the, the world. <laughs> oh dear, we'll have to have a show about the the robot uprising. Indeed. <laughs> yes, bring your own tray. Stop at the Target, pay ninety nine cents, get a tray, bring your own tray. It's awesome. Um, so now, if you don't want to bring your own tray, or if you need, if, if you, you're a fuddy duddy like Brad, and you don't necessarily <laughs> think it's you know the best thing, if you to don't bring want your own portable table, <laughs> um, we're going to give a few tips about where to where to eat your food. I think Food and Wine Festival is the only time of year that it is acceptable to eat your food on a garbage can. I don't think it's ever acceptable to eat your food on a garbage can. Okay, so can. clearly, but Brad, I, I Brad can has tell not you, been pushed to the limits the way we all have. I can tell you that I have seen it happen, and nobody's. I didn't see anybody fall down sick from it or anything like that immediately. That's so. right. Exactly. Nobody's going to be sick from it. It's healthy to get a little, a few germs. You know, it's good. It's good for you. But so anyway, um, there's you can basically go to there's like I said, there's picnic tables there's some other things set up. There's benches around the World Showcase. Um, So maybe send someone to scope out a good seating area to sit and eat your food. They do set up some tables, but it's it's hard to find them. So keep an eye uh, as you're walking up to the booth where you might go to eat. Um, And finally, uh, the whole going with kids question. Do I go to the Food and Wine Festival with kids or not? And I say absolutely. If you have your kids with you, take them with you to the Food and Wine Festival. There's lots of things for them to try and eat. Um, You can go ahead and have them kind of expand their palate by trying some of these new items at these different booths that don't cost very much money. Um, Also, they they are trying to set up lots of kid-oriented things at the festival that kids might be interested in learning about, like a, a like new chocolate exhibit, the cranberry bog, which we all love, the watermelon patch, lots of good places for kids to kind of go hang out and check stuff out. But um, So definitely bring your kids. I think they'll have a good time. So as you can tell, AJ is kind of the expert on this subject. In fact, she wrote the book on it. So, if you're interested in checking out her guide, you can go over to dfbstore.com and check out her Food and Wine Festival guide, among all her other awesome ebooks that she sells on Disney food. Thank you, Bradley. And that's right, they're awesome. And so, it, right now, you can also get $3 off by using the code TREY. To- oh. T-R-A-Y on to get $3 off the food and wine guide. But what's also cool that she does is she's having, uh, as a countdown to the food and wine festival, she's having a special deal each week where you can bundle some of her other books together with the food and wine guide and get an even bigger discount. Absolutely. If you're interested in that, go on the DisneyFoodBlog.com. On the sidebar, you'll see a little graphic that says DFB Deals of the Week. And... Up to the festival time and probably past the festival time, we're going to have bundles on sale where you can get lots of lots of discounted stuff to get a bunch of our books at once. It's so really either awesome. go check out those bundles or go to dfbstore.com and use the code TREY, T-R-A-Y, to get $3 off. Use that $3 to go to Target and get yourself a tray. Or use that $3 to do something better. Like buy food. Like buy food.
it's time for some questions de los listeners. Ooh. It's... That's listener questions for those who are not as clearly fluent in Spanish as I am. <laughs> Bradley, <laughs> Espanol. Bradley de España. <laughs> dear. Oh, dear. So let's start out with our first question, who, which is from Dan H., who would like to know... What are some great meal values for a traveler on the go who's not concerned with sitting down in a nice location for a meal? It could be just stands or walk-up venues that offer solid food at a reasonable, by Disney standards, price. It's good that Dan has realistic expectations. Too. And that he wants solid food as opposed to just liquid you, food. I mean, some people are on liquid diets, and that's for the best. But for those of us who want solid food at <laughs> like, a reasonable like price. Like us and Dan. That's right. <laughs> We're going to talk about a solid, solid food, folks. Let's let, what, what show, what's the round for us, AJ? <laughs> okay, so so I think this is a great question. A lot of people don't want to spend a lot of time sitting down. They want to get to the rides and just and just get some good food on the go. Um, some of my favorite places to go to in France: Boulangerie, um, the little bakery that soon will become Glacier ice cream counter or whatever, but head to the bakery in France. They have great food, quick to get it. Um, lots of lots of good stuff to try. Uh, one of my favorite places is the refreshment port in Epcot. Um, it's it's seriously like Costco food. It's like frozen food that they throw in a fryer, but it's really, really good. So try, try there. Um, over in the Magic Kingdom, Liberty Square Market has um, uh, baked potatoes, baked sweet potatoes. Sometimes they have corn on the cob, lots of good healthy uh Full, uh, whole fruits and things like that are good good things to, to snag. Sleepy Hollow right there as well have those fantastic waffle sandwiches. I am still angling to try one of those. I have not gotten over to try the waffle sandwiches Ugh, yet. So good. H- huge waffle sandwiches. Also other other good eats there. They've got a they've got a chicken and wild rice soup that is phenomenal. Good one to try. Um, over at uh, Animal Kingdom, um, there's several kiosks. There's Tamu Tamu. Uh, refreshments, Mr. Kamal's, lots of little kiosks and stands to pick up some really good food. They've just updated the menus there, some really good food. Um, so try that. And uh, yeah, there's just there's, there's there's lots to try, lots of lots of good options. You can always grab a turkey leg if you if you need you know a lot of calories in and then to quickly. go immediately to sleep. That's right. If you need some tryptophan, can trip you to imagine fan? how much tryptophan is in yeah. the turkey leg? Anyway, and we and I put together a few ideas for Disneyland for this question too because I think that that um, there's a lot of good places to get good on the go Definitely. food at Disneyland. Disneyland too. has that has it covered for you. They've got lots of they good sure channels. do. Like Bengal Barbecue is a great place to grab some grab and go. All the foods on a stick, so you can just walk with it. Uh, Royal Street Veranda has those yummy uh, soups and bread bowls and things like that, which are relatively portable. I I've, guess. I've, I've eaten them walking, and if I can do it, you can do it. That's right. Brad sometimes isn't isn't isn't. I'm not the most coordinated. <laughs> it's it's okay to say it. Don't don't beat around the bush. If you head over to Corn Dog Castle, what's easier to eat on the go than a corn dog and a Disneyland a corn stick. dog? More stuff on a stick. And a Disneyland corn dog is the best food ever created. You can quote me on that, ladies and gentlemen. It's fantastic. Um, Cozy Cone Motel over in DCA has some fun, uh, some fun things in cones. Surprise! DCA being Disney California Adventure. Oh yeah, good, good. Yeah. Usually AJ has to do that stuff because I do. It, this, <laughs> it's my turn. Um, so they've got lot. They've, there's lots of good places to stop in uh, in Disneyland and California Adventure. Disneyland well. has great counter service. Yep, they sure do. Um, and another place that I would highly recommend is heading to the bars and lounges in Disneyland or Disney World. 
fantastic food. You don't have to wait for a table. Just walk in, sit down, and order either at the um, at the bar or at one of the little tables. They and, and the food the food quality at these places is just going up, up, up all the time. So. Pretty soon, you're going to have to make reservations at the bars. Yeah, the bars really do seem to be trying harder lately. That definitely seems to be the case. Great, great stuff. Head to Territory Lounge in the in the Wilderness Lodge, Dan. It is off the charts food. So yummy. So that's what we got for Dan. Dan of the solid food. Good luck, Dan. Good luck with your solid food, Dan. Enjoy. Our second question is from Amy M., who would like to know, assuming that you have only scheduled one evening at Downtown Disney and you're planning to have dinner at Cooks of Dublin, inspired by the review on DFB, of course, which is a better choice for dessert, Sunday at Ghirardelli or brownie cream sandwich at Earl of Sandwich? My response here is always going to be both, because the brownie sandwich you can just take with you and eat it later. (laughs) <laughs> that's true get them both and the, and eat the sunday now and the brownie sandwich later that's i'd also know. like to propose that you may be missing out if you're already at cooks in dublin why not grab a fried candy bar oh a dough bar yeah. <gasps> amy you might need to get a dough bar at cooks of dublin a sunday at ghirardelli do a couple of loops around downtown disney and then get a sunday at ghirardelli and, and then take your, your, take your brownie with you eat it at the hotel that night but I would say that I, it, I personally have those two options. I would probably take the Sunday because I think it's a little more like the the sandwich is good, but it's kind of the, the cream sandwich is good, but it's already kind of it's like a prepackaged kind of yeah. thing. So yeah, I think I would take the Sunday too because you can customize it, you can make it however you want. You get the experience of sitting in there and having that great Sunday. Yeah, I would, I would definitely. But there's no bad answers here. They're all good answers. <laughs> it's true. There's take your, if you take your, you're not, you can't go wrong with the brown and cream sandwich either. No bad options, Amy. Have fun. So those are our listener questions. If you have a question, be sure to send them to us at podcast at disneyfoodblog.com and be sure to put podcast in the title. That's right. And if you have any feedback for Dan or Amy about what you think they should be eating, go ahead and leave us a note in the comments on dfbpodcast.com here um, in the show notes and we will get that information to them. So now that you guys have asked us some questions, we're going to ask you some questions. It's time for trivia. T-R-I-V-I-A. Yes, that's trivia. <laughs> so, AJ, <laughs> what was the trivia question from last week? So last week's trivia question was a Disney World Disneyland crossover. And we asked, what yummy treat can you get at both the Mint Julep Bar in Disneyland and Port Orleans Resort in Disney World? Port Orleans Resort. French Quarter. French Quarter in Disney World. Um, and the answer, of course, is... Ben Yays. Ben Yays. Exactly. You know it's good because it has yay in it. <laughs> I've never heard him say that before. That's really funny. Okay. I'm quick. I come up with these things on the spot. They are Ben Yays. That's right. So last week's winner is Alia J. We think that's how you pronounce it. H-E-L-I-A-S. Either way, she's going to get an email from us um, congratulating her. And Alia gets to choose whatever DFB ebook she wants. Now, this week's question is back in Disney World. And the question is, what retro food item recently made a resurgence along with its own mascot at an iconic Magic Kingdom location? Name the item, the mascot, and the location. 
So it's a three-parter. Triple threat. Triple threat this week. Send your answer to trivia at disneyfoodblog.com and be sure to put trivia in the subject line of the email and you will be entered, assuming you get it correct, for a chance to win your own copy of any DFB ebook that you like. There's lots of them. Lots to choose. Lots to choose from. So be sure and send in your answers. All right. So that brings us to the conclusion of this episode of the DFB podcast. I want you guys to know that Brad just did a double, like, what is this, little guns with your with your fingers? When you it is now. That's a, my new trademark. <laughs> okay, I wish you could have seen that, guys. I'm really sorry you didn't. But anyway, go ahead. So I'm a little thrown now, but, you know, let me just get out my guns and go. Um, so if you have enjoyed this episode, be sure and consider rating us on iTunes, giving us a review over there. Um, also be sure and leave us comments on dfbpodcast.com. We really appreciate all the comments you guys give. And Subscribe. Subscribe, subscribe on, on iTunes. Do all those things. Subscribe on Stitcher. Come see us on Twitter and Facebook. That's right. Twitter is twitter.com slash DFB podcast. And we're just everywhere. We are. And so for AJ Wolf, I am Brad Johnson signing off for episode nine of the DFB podcast. See you later. All the birds and the